identity? Do we know who we really are called to be and become? Do we know the purposes that God has for his church? Not just here, but in the future. Is, do we know this? Do, are we, is that, do we see the picture of our finish line? What is the picture of the finish line? Because depending on the picture of your finish line, depends on how you run the race. Isn't it? A 100 metre sprinter sees 100 metres down the track and prepares for that race. So they physically look different than a marathon runner. Why? Because they're building according to the finish line. And we need to be building according to the finish line that is contained within these pages, not our finish line. Otherwise, we build our finish line and we may miss out on the actual picture of the finish. So we don't have the endurance, the sustenance, the perseverance to go the whole way because we're not preparing for it. We're not preparing to run 25 miles. We're preparing to run a 100-meter sprint. And so when everyone keeps going, we're like, (gasps) heaving, throwing up in the corner. (gasps) And so as his people, we truly need to know the purpose that God has for us as the church, not as an individual, as the church, and then that, that starts to then define the individual things. And I, uh, I just rushed out this morning on the way and I bought myself a black little book because um, the message I was going to speak on, I'm not speaking on, and I uh, wrote some notes down very quickly as I went to the warehouse and found this book and got here this morning. And so I uh, want to speak and just continue just to speak on uh, what, or just speak with what Clay shared last week when he started talking about a blueprint in which the church is built upon. And Clay started speaking about an apostolic and a prophetic gifting. So there are five giftings that God predominantly uses from a leadership perspective to build the church that Ephesians 4 speaks about. Who can tell me what the other three are? We have apostolic, we have prophetic. What else do we have? Teacher, evangelist, pastor. So there are five giftings, leadership giftings specifically, and it says some people carry these giftings. I find it fascinating. Paul said, I am an apostle. He didn't say I'm a guy with a gift of an apostle on his life. He said, I am an apostle. So it's actually really hard to distinguish between the gift and the person, the person and the gift, because it's part of who they are. And Jesus in Ephesians said, I give these gifts to my church. I give these people to the church to help build the church, knowing that I'm doing the building. But they have a grace function on their life that the church needs to understand what the function of the gifts are if the church is going to be built. That makes sense? If we don't understand the function on these specific gifts, then we will never submit to them or we will never actually understand them, which means we will never receive from them and we're called to submit to his gifts. 
that he gives to his church. Tracking with me so far? So it's essential you and I understand the functioning roles of these gifts. Otherwise, we will not receive from them, we won't understand them, we'll probably just, oh, that's nice. And we're going to unpack a bit of that today, looking at the apostolic and the prophetic. So come with me to Ephesians 4, and I've got about five different scriptures we're going to move through today. Um, I don't have a PowerPoint, sorry, because I only got this this morning. (laughs) So um, I just ask you to write notes, go and have a listen online if you want to go over it again. Ephesians 4, we're going to start at verse 7. So as we go through this, I really want you to hear that one is not better than two, because we're going to look at the scripture in 1 Corinthians 12, two is not better than three, but there is a specific ranking accordance to function. So God builds his church a certain way, a certain functioning way. It's not just, well, we'll all give it a go and see what we build. He gave specific patterns in the Old Testament. Build according to the pattern that I give you. And he did it for the tabernacle, and he did it for the temple, and God crosses every T and dots every I, and he is the God of detail. So do you think when it comes to his people, he's just going to go, well, there you go, everybody have a go, and we'll see how you all get on. No, he's the same God of the old, he's the same God in the new, he wrote the whole book and it's just one continuous process. So when it comes to you and I, who are now the house, the temple, he says, I have specific blueprint, a pattern in which I build my people. And if we don't understand this, then guess what? We won't really turn out like this Bible says. And we're going to look at Ephesians, and Ephesians is so clear. I'm amazed at how clear the Bible is. I'm being more and more amazed how clear the Bible is. And if I really can see what's here, not just read it, but see it, have revelation, have prophetic insight, then an understanding can come, because Jesus said, make sure you hear and understand. It's very important that we get understanding through the Holy Spirit revealing His living Word. That's why Furnace is going to be the living Word. Not just a manual, not just a book that you read and you can quote me Scripture X, Y, Z, but that this living Word which you receive as living food, manna from heaven, which you eat and partake of, starts to change you and I. So we actually start coming more and more alive on the inside, declaring the hope to a lost world of why we follow this man called Jesus. Because ultimately, if it's not producing life, what's the point? Yeah? I don't want to just fill my head with a whole lot of factual knowledge. What's the point of that? There is no point to it. The whole point of Christianity is transformation. The whole point of Christianity is being able to give testimony to freedom that I'm now in. I once was bound in X, I am now free. Yeah? 
we have an amazing story to tell if we're actually in the story. But we can be outside of the story, watching everyone else be inside of the story, and we don't have a testimony to tell. Or the testimony that we have was 25 years ago. But we're called to give testimonies. There is new manner every day to be eating on, to give testimonies to what he's doing. And so he says, I give my church these five gifts to build something of substance. A people of substance. I'm, doing this, I'm starting to discover that who I'm called to be in the body and what I thought, mate, it's almost too hard to believe. It's almost so far outside of my realm. Again, is this a good movie? <laughs> Hollywood should make this up. But I'm reading scriptures, and I have done for a while, that says that the saints are called to judge the earth. Well, who are the saints? Just sounds like a good movie. See, who we're called to be and become will blow every logical human thought that we can have. Hence, we need the mind of Christ, the renewing of the mind, to be able to not only see, but receive the reality and then start to be able to demonstrate because the Holy Spirit has revealed the reality to us. Some of you are looking at me like, what? Don't worry, I'm looking at myself like, what? Too, at the moment as I'm reading this thing. So here we go, okay? Ephesians 4, 7. But to each one of us, grace. Everyone say grace. Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. This is not the grace in the sense of we've all been given grace through the cross, yeah? The unmeasurable favor of God. So we were all given grace. This is not the same grace. This is a grace. This is like a power. The grace was given, okay? But to each one of us, grace is given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Okay? The measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, verse 8, when he has ascended on high, he led captive and host captives, and he gave gifts to men. Just as a side note, everything that you have is from him. Hence, you better not be serving yourself with it if you're not serving the very functioning reason he gave you the gift, which is his people. See, we sit on gifts and they're not even ours, but we claim them as ours, and then we build our whole lives upon the gifts that are His, and then when people say, well, you come and serve the body, you go, no, I'm too busy serving me. With your gift? No, with His gift. He said, well, I didn't give you the gift to serve you, I gave you the gift, whatever that is, hospitality, whether you're an apostle or a prophet, whatever it is, I gave the gift to serve my body, to build my body. How come you're just doing your own thing over here? Now you'll benefit from it, but first place priority is serve with the gift I've given to build up my body of Christ. 
He does nothing firstly on an individual basis. It's for the body that the world would see a body expressing itself. So he is the one that gives these gifts. Okay, Now come down to verse 11. And he gave, everyone say he gave. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. What for? So he gives these gifts, which Christ was all five of those gifts. Okay, He was the apostle. He was the prophet. He was the evangelist. He was the teacher. He was the pastor or the shepherd. So literally, Christ splits himself five ways and says, I give some this measure of me, 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 and some of this measure. Because he ain't going to give it to one person, is he? Why? Because then you've got another Jesus walking on the planet, and we all actually want to be God, so he's smarter than us. He goes, no way. He says, no, I'm going to give you five, split it in five, so guess what? You have to walk in discipleship to come back to one. Ooh, really? No, I just want to be the apostle on my own. I want to be the prophet and have my own ministry. And I want everybody to listen to me. No, no, you're supposed to be hanging out with the other five turkeys, with the other gifts. No, 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 they tell me things I don't like. That prophet really tells me things that I don't like, Lisa. Did you know that? Because I want to do my own thing. Because I've got this gift. Yes, it's been given to me, but I'm going to own it. And I'm going to race off and do my own thing. What about the other four? Nah, well, they can do their own thing as well. No, he gives five gifts to walk in discipleship together. So through the five gifts with the gifting and their humanity and the Spirit, they can hear from the Spirit and deliver the one message. That's what my heart and our heart as a community to be part of that we've been praying into walking with, seeking him on the raising up of these, all the gifts, but this fivefold gifting, because it's the blueprint and the pattern that he's given the church to build upon. Me, on my own, I am a little bit out of balance. It's the nature of the gift. Clay, on his own, is a little bit out of balance. In fact, he's a lot, but anyway. Don't tell them. <laughs> but all those giftings are slightly out of balance. Why? So when you bring the five together, they all align each other and pull each other into the plumb line, which is Christ. So those giftings, like every other gifting, have to be in discipleship. It's the pattern, it's not optional. It's the pattern. But yet my challenge throughout the last 15 years has been, to be honest, I'm being really honest with you guys, a lot of leaders are not in discipleship. They're not in, they're not in this environment. They're not. They're doing their individual things. Some good things, some things. Well, it's never the pattern. We're all called to walk together, to be accountable to one another, and to allow the giftings to grow. Why? So the church can receive the fullness. And this is what it's about to say. So he gave these giftings for what? The equipping of the saints. 
Who's going to judge the world? Are you a saint? So he gives these gifts for the equipping of you and I. Why? Because we've got a purpose that we're going to be speaking of more and more where to come into. An understanding of our purpose here and in the future. So I give you these gifts for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. Everyone say the building up of the body of Christ. Here we go, right? Until we all, everyone say all. Not one person, not two people, not the professional people, whoever they are. All attain to the unity of the faith. What a promise. There's four I'm about to tell you. Here's one. That you and I would come into a true spirit oneness. What did Jesus pray in the garden? I pray that they would be as we are so a world would believe what? That I was sent. A world believes that Jesus was sent when the church are coming into oneness. Well, 30,000 denominations later in the church, with every name and title under the sun, does the world believe Jesus was sent for them? No. Why? Because the church isn't one. See, the mission is impossible. It's impossible for you and I to be one without Him. Because I'm going to live for me. I'm going to be Greg with my gift over here doing my own little thing. You guys are annoying. You're a pain. You whinge and whine. So do I. I don't want to hang out with anyone like that. It's too tiring. I just want everyone that's like me. It's easy when everybody's like me, eh, Chris? They think like me, speak like me, act like me. Man, it's so much easier, yeah? Thanks. I won't love you. <laughs> See, it's impossible to be one in spirit without the spirit. That's why we have all these divisions and fractures and disunity because we're all trying to be us without the Spirit, not committing to the purpose, which is to be a body of oneness through the power of the Holy Spirit with putting these giftings in place. Because there's no room for self in that equation. There is no room for self in what I've just said. And this is the ultimate battle. See, these giftings are given to kill you meaning your flesh, and to bring your spirit alive. But they come with some real velocity and power and grace and anointing which is going to upset the flesh. Why? It's supposed to, to turn the church back on its right way up mantle instead of being flipped the other way. So, Unity of the faith. Can you imagine if every person who professed Christ was one in spirit? So I meet someone on the other side of the planet who I have no context of who they are, but as soon as I meet them, I am one with them in spirit. We have a dialogue and an interaction and a language, and I don't even know them. 
And I'm vulnerable, naked, exposed in front of them, sharing me, my innermost being, because I'm one with them, because they're one with Him and I'm one with Him. It's not about waiting till you get to know people to be open and honest. It's about getting to know Him so you're empowered to have true oneness with one another. Unity of the faith. That's one of the reasons why He gave us these gifts. The second reason, the knowledge of the Son of God. How many people want to know Him more? The knowledge of the Son of God. So I've given you these giftings so you can come to know me. Because the giftings are part of me. So they carry me. They have a measure of me on them. See, because I gave the gift. I took a fifth of me and I smashed it into Chris. So it's me. So I give my church me so you can come to know me. Makes sense, doesn't it? He's the perfect architect. He thinks of all the beautiful crosses, the T's, dots, the I's. Leaves it no room for the flesh. This is how I build. So we've got unity of the faith. You can come to the knowledge of the Son, the true knowledge. The true knowledge for who He is. Not who we might think He is, who we've been told He is, but who He is. To a mature man, meaning a body, Purpose is maturity, isn't it? Purpose, transformation into a mature body of Christ because he's looking for himself to marry. He's looking for a mature. The whole purpose of where, and I've said this, but if we're, if we're 20 years in the faith and still acting like one year in the faith, it's not something, something slightly wrong with that picture. The longer we've been walking, the more we are to know Him. Makes sense, doesn't it? The longer I've walked with Danielle, the longer I've got, the more I've got to know her. So the longer I'm walking with Him, if these giftings are in place and I'm placing myself under them, receiving from them with humility of heart, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to grow. If I will position myself with a heart of faith and a heart of humility, no matter how hard it might get or what they say that might upset me, if I receive that, if it is from Him, and receive it, I'm going to grow. So unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son, coming into maturity to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. What did we talk about in Ephesians 3? That we are to come into the fullness of God. So these five giftings, possibly four, depending on your theology, have been given for those four purposes. Does that sound like an overcoming church? Does that sound like a church that knows God? Does that sound like a God that's being a church that's been set apart from the world? Does that sound like a holy priesthood? 
Does that sound like a nation and a race that's been consecrated, set apart for the purposes of God? No longer concerned about self and being contained with self, but living for something greater, far greater than anything this earth can offer. I think so. So the challenge for us is to have our minds renewed so we're able to come into this reality and start living in it and demonstrating it. And then he says this in verse 14, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself. Phenomenal. Who's read that before? Really read it and gone, my goodness. So you give these gifts for the building up of the church so the church is overcoming the obstacles, the trials, the tribulations that it faces, no longer being like children who are being tossed to and fro like my kids in the waves at Foxton, no longer that being battered around by every wind of doctrine, every smooth charismatic speaker that comes and says this, ABC, every book that's out there that's written, all these different perspectives, all these different things, so we're constantly going from one fad to the other fad. If it's not this, it's this. If it's not that, it's that. If it's not this type of music, it's that type of music. Then we just have this. And we come into, as a whole, this church that stands tall, shoulders back, being a light, being hope, because this is who we've been called to become. Our identity is incredible. Who he's called us to be, guys, is incredible. Sorry. His purposes for you and I are incredible, unfathomable. The unfathomable riches in Christ. No longer to being, but to be tall in love and humility, postured with a spirit of humility but of power, having the mind of Christ, having the wisdom of Christ. And Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 3, he said, I've been given a grace to be a wise master builder. So ultimately, yes, Christ is the one building, but there is a gift, a grace gift on my life, which is there and as I speak, and as he wrote it down, as he releases, things happen for the building up of the church. Come to me with 1 Corinthians 12. One Corinthians twelve verses twenty-eight. So he says, as an apostle. There is grace given to me to a measure to perform a function. 
1 Corinthians 12, 28, 27. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and it goes on, it lists miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administrations. And so you might say, well, it doesn't say here that he's given us evangelists and pastors. And sure, it doesn't. But it states it in Ephesians. And when you read the whole of the book, you start seeing these gifts come to life in the whole of the book. So you're not going to find it in every passage. But it clearly states here these appointed apostles, prophets, and teachers. And it even goes to the point of listing them in an order. Why, why go to the bother of going first, second, third? Why not just list them? Why not turn it around the other way? Remember, God does not make mistakes. He does everything on purpose. Why isn't it truth and spirit? Why does the spirit come before truth? Why does grace have to come before truth, not truth and grace? See, everything in here is done to the utmost degree to make a point. So he's saying first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. Why? Who was the apostle? Who was the greatest apostle? Christ. What was Paul? What was Peter? What was Moses? A type of Christ. The Bible says he's a type of apostle. Why is apostle first? What is it about this gift? What is it about this part of Christ that is first? What is the part about the prophetic that is second and the teacher third? Is it the fact that it's the Father's heartbeat? Is it the fact that it's the Father's design, His DNA, and how this whole thing is outworked? Is it the fact that the first apostle, because Jesus was the apostle, He was the high priest, it's actually how God thinks, how God breathes, how God sees everything. Could it be that? And so then He writes His book according to how He thinks, how he sees. It's the first priority. It's the first thing off the run. And there is a flowing order that flows down and through and into through the people. Jesus was what? Selfless. Sacrificial. Set apart. And sent to the world. When, you, when we read the scriptures, do we read that that's who we're called to be? No. You'll know my brothers by the way they lay their lives down for one another. Anyone read that scripture? We skip that one. Lose your life and you will... I just want life. I don't want to lose it. Is it the fact that the church is to be like the one it follows and worships. Hence, the apostolic is first, because remember, who is it? It's him, and he puts him into us. Who was Paul before he got hit by 
the Holy Spirit. A Pharisee saw persecuting, killing the church. Who did he become after the encounter? Apostle Paul, who went from self to laying his life down, selflessly giving his life away, sacrificing himself for the purpose of the church, that the church can come into the fullness of God. There's a reason why it's first. But it comes with an authority and a power that the flesh hates, but the Spirit loves. There is opposition to this apostolic prophetic gifting because it comes and it turns everything upside down and puts it back the right way up. You aware of that? It takes what's selfish and says we need to be selfless. It says stop living for yourself and start living for others. Does this sound like Christ? Does this sound like Paul's message? What did Paul say? Imitate me as I imitate who? So who's he talking to? Paul. When he says imitate me, who's he talking to? The church. Imitate me. What am I? I'm an apostle. I have an apostolic heartbeat. Imitate me, my lifestyle. Look at my lifestyle. Because I'm imitating the one I love and worship. Now come and imitate me. You and I are called to be not all apostles, but apostolic. What on earth is that? You won't even find that word in the book. But like Trinity. You won't find that in the book either. But we use it. You'll find apostle, prophet, prophesy. We're not all prophets, but we're called to prophesy. We're not all teachers, but we're called to teach. You tracking with me? We're not all evangelists, but we're called to evangelize. And we're not all pastors, but we're called to be pastoral. Apostles? I don't know. (laughs) Haven't figured that one out yet, have we? No, we're called to be apostolic. Greg, what is apostolic? It's a selfless, sacrificial, set apart and sent people who live on planet earth. They're his followers. And they have the heartbeat and the mind of Christ. Why? Because they're dead people. <laughs> it's the walking dead. There's a stupid program on at the moment. I saw it advertised. The walking dead. You know, the world's getting sick, isn't it? But guess what? We're the walking dead. Mark liked it. The day we committed our lives to Christ, we signed up and we said, I die. I got on that pool in 1998. And I died. And the new man came out. And the old man stayed in the water. Hopefully the old thinking stayed in the water, but the mind needs to be renewed. Because how many people know when the new man comes out, he still thinks a little bit like he used to. But he's not to focus on that because he's dead. Well, he's supposed to be dead. But who many people know when Jesus said, you better take up your cross daily and deny yourself The old man actually still lives and if you give him food, he loves it and he eats it and he takes over again. So you and I are called to be 
apostolic in heart and in mindset, which is a selfless, sacrificial, set apart, set apart, sent people, being disconnected from the world and living. And God gives these gifts to help speak this reality and help shape it when the Holy Spirit comes and starts doing a work when we will submit to it. But it's going to upset the apple cart because the church for so long has had teacher and pastor at one and two. And teachers and pastors, they tend to care more about the people and making sure the people are happy and making sure the people are understood and making sure the flock is okay. And that's right. But the apostolic and the prophetic ultimately are more concerned about the blueprints of heaven, what God is saying on a macro level, and bringing that down. And the five are called to walk together in submission to one another, but there is a functioning order in which it comes. And if you get it round the wrong way, guess what? When the apostle and the prophet turn up and they start speaking, everyone goes, we've never heard this before. You're supposed to love Christ more than your kids. Get out of here. What are you taking? I want some of it. We're supposed to lay our lives down? And I'm growing hold of it with two hands. We're supposed to put other people ahead of ourselves? I'm talking to this to my children at the moment and they're looking at me like I'm from Planet X. What? We had this beautiful picture the other day and we were talking to the children about giving, giving what you have away. And you know, with, with the last bit of what you have, give it to someone else. And Manny and Lily are looking at me like this. Like. <sighs> anyway, and it was a beautiful moment because we were going to go have dessert. And what are we going to have for dessert? We have ice cream? They had ice cream last night. What do we got? And we bought this new, there's, a, there's a, um, oh, hundreds and thousands of biscuits, chocolate, Whitakers. Get some, don't eat too much, but it's awesome. <laughs> we had some in the cupboard. Oh, you can have a piece of chocolate. Okay, cool. So Madeline goes till they get the pantry, comes out, there's only one piece. Oh, Dad had eaten it all, whatever. <laughs> anyway, back to the truth. <laughs> So I thought, what a beautiful example this is going to be. So there's one piece sitting on the table. So I looked at Lily. I said, Lily, I said, you know, we've just been talking about, you know, giving away. What, what are we going to do here? And she thinks for two seconds. She's as quick, this girl. She looks at me. She says, we're going to cut it in half. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, beautiful. I'm going to cut it in half. No, we're not. We're going to give it all to Madeline. No, we're not, Dad. We're going to cut it in half because I'm getting some. <laughs> See, self. Self wants to look after itself. Self is in the game of preservation. But when we become a follower of Christ, it's about being selfless through knowing Him, through coming Him, the revelation of Christ and His love coming into us more and more and His living word coming into us, which then empowers us to let go of self and grab hold of Him. And God gives these giftings to be able to share and demonstrate and open up a reality for us all to walk in and through so we receive all. 
but there is opposition to these giftings. Come with me to Luke. Luke, verse 11, verses 48, sorry, 49. And this whole passage, for the context, is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. And he's saying, woe to you Pharisees. Now sometimes we just think a Pharisee was a person back in that day that wore funny clothes and that was a Jew and was a religious person. Pharisee ultimately is a spirit. It's a spirit that operates. It's an unbelieving spirit. Because when Jesus came and stood right in front of them and said, here I am, I've arrived, you've been waiting for me, they didn't recognize him. It was that spirit that put him on the cross, even though he allowed himself to go to the cross. It's a blindness. And so things that we can't see, things that we don't understand, what do we do as a whole, as a people? As a people, not necessarily Christians, what do we do? We kill it, we reject it, we walk away from it. Sometimes we just sweep it under the carpet and hope it goes away but it comes back out, so we sweep it under the carpet. Things that fall outside of our logic at times that we don't understand, actually we can be in fear of. And so fear causes us to move away instead of faith coming and us moving too. Abraham, when he saw the burning bush, man, that would have been pretty, some freaky sight. It could have been some demon turn up, a demonic activity, How does that happen? That is not logical. But the man moved to it, not away from it. Faith, trust was modeled, demonstrated. He moved to something was not logical. And God spoke. How many people know that God is not in the logic of our minds? He turns up and he does it the way he wants to do it. Nine times out of ten, it's not going to be how I'm going to do it. Yeah? And so there's a, something he's looking for. And in this passage, in verse 49, it says this, For this reason also, the wisdom of God said, the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of the earth, the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is foolishness to the earth, isn't it? Become like a kid. What are you talking about? I've spent 30 years developing who I am. It's so back to front. Be humble. Humble people get run over. I'm strong. Then you've seen what I've done. My accolades. What I've built. The empire that I've built. You want me to give all that up? That's foolish. So the wisdom of God speaks, which is back to front to earthly wisdom. I will send to them prophets and apostles. And some of them they will kill. And some they will persecute. Who's sending them? Who's sending apostles and prophets? Prophets and apostles? Apostles and prophets? God. To his own people, and his own people kill the people that God sends. Does that make sense to you? That was a question. No. So God sends apostles and prophets to his own people to help them out, but his own people kill them. Sounds a bit back to front to me, but anyway. 
so that the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the house of God. Yes, I tell you, it shall be charged against this generation. Verse 52. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You yourselves did not enter, and you hindered those who were entering. You took away the key of knowledge. So what were these five giftings going to do again? Let's go back to Ephesians. They were going to bring, if these five, four giftings are in place, you're going to receive what, guys? What was the first one? Unity of the faith. The second one was the knowledge of the Son of God. What happens to a church that comes into a greater dimension of the knowledge of God? We become transformed, we start getting set apart on the true foundation of the Christ that's revealed to you through these giftings that are the that God builds upon apostolic and prophetic giftings, which is who? The people know they're actually Christ on the person, and when it's released into the reality of the realm and the spirit realm, we come into a greater knowledge of Christ. But these people, these Pharisee people, the spirit, took out I send them to you, but I kill. Eventually, he sent them the Son, and they killed the Son. But it's a spirit that operates. So there is actually opposition, because as I said at the start, specifically when this apostolic and prophetic gifting comes and starts to share of another realm that's not of the earth, remember? We're called to live from heaven to earth, not earth to heaven. We're not looking up to heaven. We're seated where? In heavenly places, looking down So we actually have the mind of Christ. We're not actually there. I'm seated right here. But in my spiritual dimension, I have divine sight, divine perspective. So it's like I'm there looking down, living from that reality. Does that make sense? Did I speak too quick? You're catching that? That's massive. But you're seated in heavenly places. No, I'm not sitting at the rock listening to you. No, we're seated in heavenly places because that's the dimension of the spirit we live in and I'm moving in it here on earth. So I see as if I'm there and I have divine perspective, divine eyes to see. But there is incredible opposition to this gift mix. Why? Because the flesh doesn't like it. It speaks something that I'm not necessarily in but it's calling you to call and pull and to unlock from an earthly realm into a spiritual reality. See, Jesus came, he was not of any lineage. He was from the order of Melchizedek, which had no motherly, fatherly bloodline. How can a priest come from Judah when they all come from Levitical priesthood, the Levites? This is why he's able to say, he's the apostle, he's able to say, You are my brother, not this brother over here. That's offensive to the flesh, isn't it? Imagine if my young brother came to me and said, you know what, you're no longer my brother, but Peter Smithers. What are you talking about? You came out of mum, I came out of mum. In fact, you're my young brother. I looked after you, we got into scraps together, we did all those things together, and now you're telling me he's more important than me? 
I'm sorry, but he's doing the will of the Father and you're not. What are you doing? You're living for you. But you're supposed to be my brother in Christ, my spiritual brother. We're supposed to be one in spirit. We're supposed to be on the same page, moving towards the same reality. But you want to build your own church. You want to build your own life. You want to build your own thing. You want to do all these other things. And that's cool if you want. But I'm moving towards a greater dimension of being set apart from that and coming into the family of God, the spiritual body, which, by the way, is way more important than physical family. Because physical family, spiritual family are going to reign with Christ. Not necessarily physical. But the physical we want to call out if we're over here into this realm. My role is to lead my wife into spiritual oneness with me and him. And my children. My role is not to smother my kids. My role is not to smother my wife. My role is to release them. They are his, not mine. But that means I've got to be in a dimension of reality and be secure in Christ and actually love Christ more than I love them. If I'm ever going to lead that reality, because if I'm not in it, I know where I can lead them into it. So spiritual family, guys, is way, way, way more important than physical. But if we're being honest, the church as a whole probably values physical family more than it values spiritual family. Would we all agree? Can we be honest today and say, yep? Yeah. And so, what this apostolic prophetic realm does, it comes and it goes, guys, okay, this is where we're at, but this is who we've been called to become. And if we can model it, and if we're all on this page, walk over with everyone in the family to this page. What witness do you think it gives to a world that are trying to hang on to all of this? Who's going to get glorified if they see a people who are set apart, selfless, sacrificial and sent, who give away? See, that's who you and I have been called to become. That's a pretty big ask, would you agree? And with man, impossible. But with God, everything is possible. And if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, if you have a knowledge of me, a true knowledge of who I am, it will create a conviction and an absolute knowing and a confidence and you'll start trusting in me and letting go of you and living for me. And man, will the world see a people who reflect something that started almost 2,000 years ago. I want to be part of that. And so God gives these giftings to help speak and demonstrate a realm and a reality to lift the whole thing up and literally have, we pray that prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. When it comes, we go, whoa, get out of here. <laughs> we pray it, we sing it. It's a lovely song. Our Father... In heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come quickly. <laughs> On earth as it is in heaven. Let heaven come to earth as it is. And then it turns up and we all bolt. <laughs> and he must be going, they sing it every week. 
it's made the top ten list of all the CDs, and I do it, and where have they gone? See, that song is this. You're not my brother, you're not my mother. He is the man from the kingdom of heaven living on the earth declaring an apostolic prophetic reality to his people. Imagine being his mother. You cheeky, unreasonable, ungrateful. I gave birth to you. It hurt. Thanks. But you know what? You're not my mother. This lady here is. Can you start to see the dimension and the enormity of what this kingdom of God is and what's to be in us and us living from, which will birth so much life in us. And so God gives, not just two, but these five leadership giftings to speak, to help, release. And our role as His people is to submit. Ooh, really? Whoa, that's a big word, Greg. We don't submit to anyone as Kiwis. Especially the English. <laughs> what two things make up a marriage? What are the two things God gives us that make up a covenantal marriage? Love and submission. Guess what? If love and submission don't work in a marriage, they won't work in a body. It's a real challenge, this. Because maybe we've submitted to leadership before and that leadership abused us. So I'm never submitting to leadership again. That's a real tension, isn't it? I loved once and I got crushed. Yep, join the club. It's risky. Following him is risky. Becoming the people of God is risky. Being the church that he wants us to become, man, it's risky because it means you've got to get vulnerable, exposed, and step out there with the risk of being pummeled every time you do it. But you know what might happen? Is you might just find something as well. But if you don't get out there, you never find it. We've all been hurt to some degree. We have to overcome that because it's keeping us from receiving the fullness of Him. And it just sucks. But it is what it is. That's why he says, if you want to find it all, you've got to lose it all. You've got to walk the plank edge. And then you've got to jump. I love you. I love you. You're so encouraging. Thanks, Mark. He gets my jokes too. I'm just going to read... I read this last week and I'll finish on this. This is just 1 Peter. And once again, he is declaring to us um, who we are and who he sees us to be. And coming to him, this is 1 Peter 2 verse 4, 
in coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. Man, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Ultimately, the ultimate spiritual sacrifice is our lives. Romans 12.2 To give a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God, it's us. Okay? Then it goes down, it talks about they rejected the, the, the cornerstone. And then it says this in verse 9, but you are a chosen race. Everyone say, I am a chosen, we are a chosen race. Okay, repeat this after me. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. Notice it doesn't say nations. Nation. One people. Doesn't matter whether you're African, French, European, Kiwi, Australian, Zimbabwean, whatever. All those of the Spirit are a nation. Okay? A people for God's own possession. Does He possess you? Have you allowed Him to possess you yet? I'm yours. You possess me, I possess you so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Listen, for once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against your soul. Fleshly lust is not alcohol and just pornography. Fleshly lust is self. It's self. That's what ultimately fleshly lust is self. I abstain you to get free of that and live as aliens and strangers on this earth, selfless, sacrificial, set apart, go into all the world sent. Father, I thank you for you. And I thank you for these your great people, us. We are your family. We are here submitting to you, wanting you to work this all out, knowing that we are so dependent on your spirit to build us. And Lord, there is such incredible tension that exists in this whole aspect of love and submission. And for us to understand your design your blueprint for how you build us. And so, God, I just thank you for changing me today, changing the thought, just really showing me um, what I needed to say. And, Lord, I just pray that the things that I've said that aren't of you that just be eradicated right now, I pray you would just zap them in everyone's mind. But those that are of you, Father, and I trust they are, Lord, that you would just come to life and that we would chew over what we've heard and Lord, come to an understanding. We would hear and understand and realize your, your blueprint for how you build. Lord, one is not better than the other. They are functioning roles in which you build and they all submit to you and one another. 
And so, Father, I thank you for the work you're doing here. I praise you for the work you're doing. I bless you for the work you're doing. And you are building us into a people who are a spiritual priesthood, a house, preparing us now, and you have works for us to do now and future, Father. And as we continue to move forward, I pray the Spirit would just reveal the living word, which would just empower our lives here today and have us living ready lives for your return. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Um, there's a couple of people who uh, Adele felt might need prayer at the end of the service that we're struggling with. Where's she gone? Hopelessness. So if you're here today and you're sensing just a real heaviness,